Um, first of all, thank you for being here. Second of all, nothing about what we're going to be talking to you about is like deeply profound or like earth shattering. Therapy is still therapy. This is not therapy. Like I, the caveat we give you for healing is a choice. Um, this is just kind of a really good overview slash. I can get this thing to stay on my ear. Overview slash um, really good foundation for how grief works, what it is, what it's not. And then we will we will take a lot of time to define a bunch of stuff so that you're like, oh, because what the world says is grief and what what the clinical world says is grief are different. And if you work with the clinical and the God side, it's much easier to deal with and to cope with than to be like, I'm just grieving all the time. Like, oh my gosh, like you don't you won't go anywhere, you won't do anything. So this is like healing is a choice. You're at the emergency room, you're getting treated, and if you need more help afterward, we can talk about it. We can talk about what that looks like, what that all that good stuff. Cool? Make sense? Um, our goal is to talk for like forty five minutes, take a break, talk for forty five minutes, take a break, and then the last hour we're gonna make you do a bunch of work. Shocker. Dad's over there like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, if you guys would like coffee in like an hour or so, that would be a good thing, a bad thing, something different. Positive. Several, several thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. That's awesome. Coffee drinkers in here. Yeah, let me get We can percolate. Um, okay. Cool. Any questions? Cool. You know who we are. I hope so. I hope so. For those of you that maybe we're Chris and Kayla Chambers. Hello, Kathy's brother and sister-in-law. I just, everybody else knows who we are. I've, I've met you, but you know. Anyways, okay. Cool. Ready? Sure. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. So we're here to talk about grief. Um, I'm gonna read to you guys some definitions. This is kind of just a straight up out of Merriam-Webster's. This is kind of like what? It's just a definition for grief. So, and Webster's been around since 1828. Um, and there are several definitions here, so bear with me. And some of them we like and some of them we don't. And we'll explain that in a second. Yeah. So it starts out with the essential meaning of grief. Deep sadness caused by, or caused, especially by someone's death. Uh, a cause of deep sadness, trouble or annoyance. And this is a more full definitions here. A deep and poignant distress caused by or as if by bereavement. A cause of such suffering, trouble, annoyance, annoying or playful criticism, an unfortunate outcome, mishap or adventure. So as I'm reading these, um, when we were talking about these earlier, um, grief just seems to be really just stuck on like you lose like death like your dog dies uh someone at work dies there it's always like a death um of of that sort but one definition here that kind of got outside of that scope was one that says an unfortunate outcome well i think we all have experienced unfortunate outcomes and not necessarily losing like a pet or a family member but unfortunate outcomes with like academic life school um, friendships all over the place, there's unfortunate outcomes. Maybe even driving here today, there was an unfortunate outcome because the light did something crazy <laughs> and 
it, maybe it's an abortion outcome. It's not what we wanted. And so really taking uh, the time to, to step outside of seeing grief as only just a thought of losing something or um, there's a death or whatever, but really it's this idea that, that things happen and we have no control over them. And how do we respond to those things? Okay. So that's our goal. That's kind of our goal is to help you understand that un- an unfortunate outcome is a really great way of viewing life because there's little times when you have to do that. There's big times when you have to do that. And when you can conquer the little times, it makes the big times much more easier, much more manageable because you've learned to do it over time and with endurance versus like the world falls apart and you're like, now what do I do? Well, if we learn how to do it by baby steps, then we get there. So, what keeps us from meeting grief head on? Right? And I'll also, yeah. we can also take some like, I mean, feedback. If you guys have other things that you think or that have kept you from that, definitely raise your hand and let us know. We want to hear from you guys as well. So this is what we came up with. Too many unknowns. But it's, it's, it's so much easier for me to stay here in my comfort, in my, in my, in my grieving uh-huh. fear, fear of all the above, fear of forgetting, fear of moving on, fear of like, oh my gosh, but I won't honor, especially if it's, a, it's for a human, I won't honor them in the way I'm supposed to if, I, if, I, if I'm actually grieving. Uh, well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> uh, refuse, refusal to be vulnerable. You're not telling people that you actually need to grieve. Or you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. You're ignorant. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the way that you combat ignorance is knowledge. So let's learn. Let's, let's do something different. Let's make it work. What do you think? Any others you would add up there? Yeah. Like if I allow these feelings, if I entertain them, that's going to be my reality forever. So I'm like, no thanks. I'll just put that to the side and not even go there. Have you guys ever done I'm Going on a Bear Hunt song from camp? Uh, can't go around it, can't go over it, got to go through it. You do, you do that when you get to the field. Anyways, I, I'll teach you. It's quite fun. Because um, you could do fun little obstacles, but there's a field one. You, you, you have to go through the field. You can't go over the field. You can't dig under the field. The field's huge. You can't go around the field. And the only way to get through the field is to go through. Right? I'm a camp girl to my heart. What else? Anybody have a different one? I know for me, and it's sort of along the line of what Roxanne talked about, but it's more so... It's like I have too much other stuff going on to stop and grieve. Right. Like if I take, like, how long is that going to derail me? Right. Or I can't afford to do this right now. Right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how actually, and like later, we'll talk about how yeah. getting through it and letting your grief drive the bus per se for a little bit of time actually helps you get through it faster and quicker. Well, I can't. I can't grieve right now because I'm for, for everybody else. Right. We'll get there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love you, Daddy. Everybody, that's my dad. Dad is everybody. <laughs> I'm really proud of my father. Can you tell? Okay, great. Any other, any other, any other suggestion or thought? Cool. Okay, you're good. No worries.
Okay. So we're going to talk about what grief is and what it is not. Um, so sometimes we get this idea that grief is me being wrapped up in my sadness, my emotions, my depression. Um, one of them. Like we, this is what we think grief is. It's not that. Um, or, and or the progressive part being I do this step and then I, I do, do this, this step, step yeah. and then I do this step and then it's all over. If I do these things, then it will be gone. Um, and that's not what it is. Um, really, it's, it's having the, the courage to, to face those things, like going through the field. Having empathy. Um, so, and empathy is different from sympathy, right? We all understand that difference. If we don't, sympathy is like the idea of like uh, actually getting down with someone where they are at their level and connecting with an emotion that puts you in that same spot where they are and understanding how they feel. So I feel sorry for you, but it feels good up here, but I hope you get out of that hole one day. No, it's, hey, I've been there one day. I know how you feel. Um, and the concept of being empathetic towards yourself is really strange. It's not, it's not a common, it's not taught appropriately very, com- very often. Um, when you're empathetic towards yourself, instead of having to have somebody come alongside you and help you in your process, you are choosing to let yourself come alongside you to feel all the things. Does that make sense? Why? No? Okay. So, why you your, let's say your, your mom and dad die. Okay? This is just a really weird, your mom and dad die. Uh, you don't need to be strong for your brother and sister. You need to be, you need to allow yourself to be sad. So you need to let Wyatt come alongside Wyatt and just let Wyatt be sad. Let Wyatt have his, like, man, I'm going to miss this about my mom, and this about my dad, and this, and this, and this. Versus, I'm going to do all these things to take care of everybody else. Yeah, well, you're a person, too. Allow yourself to be part of, that, does that help? Yes. Great, great example. Yeah. And that's something our culture does not do well. No. We do not do that at all. We're taught, yeah, you have to be back at work or be strong for everybody else in the family. Um, very rarely do we really teach just like that self-awareness, self-care. For those of you that are older siblings, okay, right, like, uh, well, but I have to be strong for Evan because Evan, right, my grandparents just died a year ago. I've got to be strong for Evan because I'm the big sister and I've got to take care of Evan. No, Evan, Evan can take care of Evan. Kayla can take care of Kayla, right? Or like this just, you know, does that make sense? It's let, let me allow myself to be to be in my grief, to be in the process of dealing with something that did not go the way that I wanted it to. Hashtag life. Right? Okay. Um, acknowledgement. So just acknowledging what happened. Um, when we get caught up in that whole, like, I'm too busy to deal with or I've got to look after somebody else, we really just, it's we're putting that wall up, we're going to avoid. And that's not, that doesn't help us really dig in and work through grief. Um, and then it can be up and down. There are going to be good days and bad days. Um, I think really all of us have had those days where just like some days are better than others. Uh, my dad has a quote. My mom used to get really upset, but he'd come home from work every day. I remember being a little kid, and she'd you know, say, how was your day? And my dad had this thing. He'd always say, every day's a good day. Some days are better than others. Well, as a kid, I'm like, what is he, what is he talking about? Um, I got older. It's like, oh, I, I get it. Like, there's a reason for every day to be a good day. Right, we'll have a hope of Jesus Christ. But some days can be down, some days can be up. And acknowledging that, that it can happen. Uh, and then being open and real about that and just and communicating. 
um, with people around us instead of just, I'm fine or everything's just great, even though it, maybe it's not. Uh, but being okay with having those ups and downs, but realizing that that's still, that's just life. Like life is not always going to be, you know, number 10, kittens and rainbows. That's just unrealistic. And so it's having, part of us having realistic expectations um, as we go through grief and understanding that they're going to, we're going to have really good days and then really bad days. Um, and that's just a, a part of the process of life. Um, even as we grieve things years down the road, it can be 5, 10, 20 years. There could be really good days when you think about it and really bad days. Um, but knowing that you're going to work through it um, and going through that, I feel, is really important. So the most common form of how do you process through grief is the five stages of grief, right? Kubler-Ross. You guys have probably heard them a million times. What are they? Bargaining. Denial, bargaining, okay. anger, anger, depression, acceptance, right? So we're going to take all of those and we're going to define them really practically. Um, and not because I, we want you to stay in this world, but we want you to acknowledge that they do exist. And it's more, in, it is, they are stages, but it's more like typically... <sighs> your personality will camp in one and kind of flirt with the other until you get to a moment of acceptance. And then you might accept for a while, and then you're going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going back. And you just kind of go back to your... Right, it's one of those... Right, and these, these, these like, I guess those steps or those stages, it's not a progressive. I have to go through each one of these in order because that doesn't happen. That's not realistic. Uh, I think when they're listed, they're listed in a specific order. I mean... That doesn't happen. Somebody may start at a different stage than someone else, and that's okay. Um, you may bounce around between stages, like Kayla said. There's not like a, a specific formula to go through each one individually. That, that's not realistic. So being aware of your personality, um, your emotions, and how you're working through your grief and where you are at that stage. Um, and then how do I move from this stage towards acceptance? And that may take you through another stage. But how do I work towards working through the grief instead of staying in this stage? So we have funny little video clips that they help us illustrate our point. Um, and so what, we're gonna, what, what I want to do is I'm going to play the video, and then we're going to talk about how that applies to denial or acceptance or, or, or. And then I want you to help. I want you to process with me. Where have you seen that in your life? Where have you seen that in your life with somebody else? And, yeah, we'll just do that first. Cool. Okay. So the first one we have is denial. If you, oh yes, pause just a second. If you've seen Fifty First Dates, right? So this is the scene where, if you haven't, I'm sorry. The main character Lucy has a head trauma and she literally forgets the next morning what's happening. So she only has a memory of like a 24-hour period. And so this is the scene where her brother and her dad literally reconfigure their whole day. They like read so that she can have her day all over again. So it's like what it's like June something. I can't remember the day, but they basically reset up the house, the newspapers and like the breakfast and the T V recording with the news. Like everything is as is the same thing the day that she had the head trauma where she forgot everything. And they don't change anything. So this is a really great example of denial. Really great example of denial. Okay.
clothes that she wore, they'd rewash them. Just ignore him. <laughs> that's not part of it, guys. That's not part of And she gets in the same movie over and over again. Oh, it's the sixth sense. Thanks. Yeah, it's a new movie. It came out like over like two years ago at this point, I think. And when I have the same cake and she goes to the same place and has the same breakfast, like and they keep this facade up for her. What else? Yes. The whole town. Whole town. So how have you done that in your life? Because we've all done it. Even if it's not in a, in a big, huge, I'm in the middle of grief. But we've all had our denial times. <coughs> what does it look like for all of you? This is a silly example. When my brother and I were talking last night, and in my mind, Frozen came out like two years ago. And I talked to my brother, and he's like, no, it came out ten years ago. And I'm like, no, but that means I graduated then, and this happened then, and this. And I'm like, no, no, it, everything just happened two to five years ago. <laughs> I was just accepting it. It's like Edda was just born, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right? What else? Good. Yeah. So I struggled majorly whenever I was first out of college and carrying cases when someone would relapse. Mm-hmm. And I would talk myself out of the reality that I knew they were using, and I would just ignore it. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's not happening. I don't want to talk about it. I don't think about it. And I would, you know, I can look back on conversations I had where it's like, this person is not talking to me. And I was just like, I will not embrace that reality. I'm just going to deny it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. And they have babies, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Rough, late. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I recognize it from caretaking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. trying to fix uh, something that was inevitable. Yeah. Right? And, like, think about, um, think about the people that are all on our whiteboard. And sometimes there's just, like, there's a denial, and, and like, what God can do is never, never in question. 
But then there, but there sometimes comes a time where I'm in denial. But like if I could, if I could only do X, Y, and Z, I'm in denial that they're actually no, that they've made their choice and quit denying that they've not made their choice, <laughs> right? And it's just that, right? Does that make sense? Cool. Any other thoughts about denial before we move on? I just to like try and like have a high bar on myself, and yeah, I just turn around and go work out and like forget that the world's the world. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of more along the line of bargain. Like, it could be more bargaining. Um, if I only do X, Y, so let's move on to that. Bargaining. Bargaining's the next one. Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, is a great example of bargaining. If I only had done X, Y, and Z, if I could only clean up Gotham, then my parents wouldn't have died and then and then and then and then and then. You, if you have a laundry list of if I only had done X, Y, and Z... And then this wouldn't have happened. That's bargaining. If 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 I would have done this, or if they would have done that, then this wouldn't have happened, right? Oh, okay. If I hadn't gone to school in, well, no, I'm, that's a really bad example. Never mind. Um, does that make sense, though? I thought bargaining was like I always thought bargaining was like someone is dying or you know critical, and then I will do this. If they live. Same. It's the same concept. Okay. Same. It's like, I never thought about it in Russia. Yeah. Because okay. it's, it's, it, what happens is that is a part of grieving in that. Like, if well, I will do X, Y, and Z, people will just save them. That's a element of bargaining. Mm-hmm. But the other side is after the incident has already happened, it's like, well, if I would have just done, I'm going to go. It's like they become, uh, like they have a vendetta. Like, um, what's the right word? Yeah, motivation. Yeah, like, Batman's motivation is not because he he cares about Gotham, but he cares about Gotham because his parents died. And if he would have cared about Gotham before his parents died, then his parents wouldn't have died. And you can get stuck in that cycle of, like, bargaining myself. I can bargain myself out of this. So bargaining and denial go hand in hand. Like they're, they're, they can be really similar, but they're not the same. Does that make sense? So... I can see that it could turn you into a vicious cycle that would perpetuate an entire life. Yes. But some people's experiences motivate them into good things. You can. So, so it's it's all about where it's based, and it's all about are, am I am I motivated because this has motivated me to change, or am I motivated because I'm trying to change the past, and that's. That's the key part. If I'm motivated to try to change the past, I'm still stuck in my grief cycle. But if I'm motivated, like, oh my gosh, that happened. i got to get my mess together. That's completely different because that's future projection versus past. Trying to fix the past. Does that make sense? Okay, let's watch this video. Smiling, trying to go completely. The party's over. Get out. The apple has fallen very far from the tree, Mr. Wayne. Amusing. But pointless. None of these people have long to live. Your antics at their side have forced my hand. So Crane was working for you. This toxin is derived from the organic compound found in our blue flowers. He was able to weaponize it. He's not a member of the League of Shadows. Of course not. He thought our plan was to hold the city to ransom. 
But really, you are that police credit is poison on the entire city. Then watch Gotham tear itself apart through fear. Think of Lot and Abraham, right? We just read through that in the chronological Bible not that long ago. But, but, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God. And granted, Abraham is trying to do it for for future. It's not necessarily he's not dwelling in the past. You he don't hear Abraham be like, but God, had you only saved Sodom and Gomorrah? But if he had, if he'd continued to perpetuate and continue to stay in the oh man, if I'd only saved this, then this and this and this. Does that make sense? So on a really practical level, on a really personal level, when have you seen that in your life? When have you tried to kind of bargain your way out of a past experience that you just choose, that you're currently just kind of stuck in? You're stuck in the, like, if I had only done X, Y, and Z. Yes? So, um, when I was, I was 18, my grandpa died, and I was like, if only I was more serious about wanting to go to a doctor and like really more and like really more on to him about it to might have lived before. Like Yeah. 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 What else? I know when I was uh, working for um, I was struggling with my mom trying to find a place. Uh we got a tiny stroke and I was out working at camp and I was like, only if I was there with her, it wouldn't happen. Um, and you know, like she's in Chicago now, she's doing all right. But it still, it's like if I was there and stuff, and I can't working, stuff would not be like mm-hmm. the situation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When my father passed, my <coughs> my family's reaction to the situation was really triggering for me, and I got stuck in a cycle of if only I had boundaries with my family. Um, initially, I wouldn't have been triggered in the way that I was. Um, <clears throat> which probably was true and something that could motivate me to learn for the future. Um, but I really got stuck in a place of meditating on the past and I couldn't change anything about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I had a similar but opposite experience. Um, you know, I, didn't, I set a boundary like almost three years before my mom died of, um, you know, if you're going to continue to live this way and treat me this way, like I'm not going to have a relationship with you. Um, and after she died, it was like, if if I didn't have boundaries, maybe she would still be here, yeah. right? Like, if I had continued to, I mean, honestly, suffer for the relationship with her, like, maybe she wouldn't have chosen to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really hard, you know, going to that, that thinking of, like, if only it had been unhealthy, maybe. She <laughs> 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 yeah, right, yeah. And, and with both of those situations, like, 
Who knows? Right? And that's why bargaining can get, like, it It can feel one of the lessers because you're like, but I'm motivated by something to, to I want, I'm, motivi- I'm motivated by change, but are you motivated by change because you are being, like, you're regretting, or are you motivated by change because you actually want to have change? And there's a, like, there's a difference. Like, it's like um, the Bible talks about like good sorrow and bad, like godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow empowers you to change in a way that will continue for your future versus the opposite. Does that make sense? Think about it in less terms. Let's think, let's think a little bit. What about if I had only taken that job instead of this one? If I had only eaten carrots instead of a milkshake? And that sounds so silly, but again, part of what we want to help you understand is that foundationally, like at the bottom of this, is if you learn how to say, man, why did I eat that milkshake? Well, I'll eat better tomorrow. But your motivation is because you feel bad, like you're regretting it versus like, nah, like I'm going to change my motivation because I want to, because I need to get better, because I need to lose this weight. I need to, my body doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I do this with conflict a lot. You know, where uh, like the, the conversation won't go the way I wanted it to, and then I just think like I'm replaying that for a long time. You know, probably longer than they are. You know, the one I've said about it. Yeah. You know, just, like if I said that different, or if I you know approached it differently, if I put those words in a different order, you know, then they, we'd be okay and we wouldn't be you know upset right now. Like, I think about, um, like, I did a lot of this with Keegan when Keegan chose to walk away. And I was like, well, you know, like, if I had only done blah, 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 and my motivation was not for me to change my motivation, was because I was, I was just stuck. I was hurt. I was sad. And it was just like, nope, that's not getting me anywhere. And so then I, like, I had to keep going. I had to push through it. I had to, like, process. This is not, my motivation is not to change my future. I'm currently stuck in the past. That makes sense. Uh, Like food choices, conflict, um, buying this thing at Target instead of that thing at Walmart, or man, if I had just bought a good pair of shoes the first time, it wouldn't be on my pair number four. And that sounds silly, but again, like those can be elements of bargaining if you choose to dwell on that and learning to process through that. Uh, Budgeting, finances, finances is a huge one when it comes to bargaining. It can be. If I'd chosen to make a better choice then, then I wouldn't be where I was. Uh, you don't know that. We didn't choose to have our half bath fall apart and spend $2,000 on it. Like, there was a plumbing issue and we had to fix it. So I could choose to dwell, like, oh my gosh, if we only not, if we got a better inspection when we bought our house, and I can choose to stay there. Or I can be like, you own a house. Crap happens. Moving on. But those are the baby steps that you talked about at the beginning. So when the death comes, or the like, the huge job loss comes, or the um, like, yeah, then you can cope because you're like, oh, this is muscle memory. Smaller version, but it's muscle memory. Okay. What else about bargaining? I think bargaining is one of the most misunderstood ones. I like to talk about it. It's just rooted in regret. Like, that's yes. what it boils down to. Is I regret something, whether that's I regret my past choices or, I mean, it, it does boil down to that. Whether you're looking to negotiate your past choices or negotiate your future choices, it's 
And it's a, it's a critical part of grief, but you have to make sure you get out of it. Because that's the tricky part. Bargaining can just get you in this loop, and you're on a hamster on a wheel, and man, I can regret and regret and regret all day. But I got I got to propel forward. Somebody walked away with my cheap doors many, many years ago. And for many, many years, I continued to look at every jeep one because we think because it feels justified and it, and it generally if you motivate it right it can be but when you get stuck in it is when it's not healthy okay okay we'll talk about one more and then we'll take our first break anger oh, yes oh, yeah. <laughs> yes um, so if, well I'll just use me as an example um what do yeah it's me um, so after Adam and Aaron's parents passed away, um, and I didn't, I didn't stay there, but I did have the thought of, well, had I not asked them to go to the grocery store, then they wouldn't have been where they were, and they wouldn't have been hit. But luckily, and I think I had people in my life that were probably telling me this because I had no clue what I was doing. Um, I didn't stay there. Yeah. I did not allow myself to think that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how do you help someone, mm-hmm. you know, like process that? Because it was a thought and I had to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how do you help someone, like, be able to say it and acknowledge and like get it off their chest, but like not stay there? Yeah. Like, what's the great? Two thoughts. I'm thinking. Go ahead. Okay. I'm thinking. So um, kind of like what we talked about a second ago where it's like the motivation being past, past, past versus, okay, future, future, future. Um, there's an element of acknowledging the present. Like I need to acknowledge that, man, my choice did impact this, but also just like, okay, so <laughs> here's a good story for you. My parents sent me to a foreign country when I was like 12, 13? 13? I was young. Wow. 12, 13? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was with a bunch of doctors and nurses, and I was, I was just a brat, and needed to see that the rest of the world had it not as awesome as I did. And so people were like, oh my gosh, David and Elaine, why are you doing that? Why are you sending her there? How, oh my goodness, aren't you terrified? And my mom and dad were like, she could walk across the street in our neighborhood, and she could get hit. So am I gonna am I gonna live in this fear? Am I gonna live in this like moment, or am I gonna acknowledge that there are so many external factors in the world that that could have been anything? That could have like, and it and it's helping them like, oh my gosh, I feel you, I hear you, I acknowledge that, and it's okay to be there for probably a good six months. I would say, right? 
Yeah. And, so, and, and then it's eventually being like, okay, well, guess what? You know, you could send me to the store today too, and something could happen to me. But, 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 and it's just it's helping them parallel the process of like life happens. And well, and but it's the idea of I can control all circumstances, and we we can't. No one can control. We can control what we do. Um, you know. Like, we've had this discussion because I am, like, somewhat risk-averse on certain things. Somewhat very risk-averse. Right? So even with edit, I'll be like, oh, we need to make sure, like, like I need to be careful with her on the coffee table. But then it's like, I can't be there every second of the day if she falls and hits the coffee table. Or, like, if she slips on one of her books because she's not paying attention and just falls down on the floor. Right? I can't be there. Like, what if I would have picked that book up she wouldn't have fallen? Like, I can be there all day and be stuck there all day. Um, and even with her, I've taken some, hey, make sure we, we don't step on our books and try to teach, but I can't control any, anything around me. I can't control all those things. I can't control when I leave here. We can't control, like, how people drive down the street. We can't control when we're walking out of the room if somebody bumps into us. We have no control over those things, and trying to take responsibility for those things um, is just not healthy. I mean, like, I think acknowledging it, but then I can't control it. I'm not God. I don't have the power to make it so and change change outcomes and what they do have control over is their mindset like right like you what you have control over is like well i could have asked or adam could have asked or some random neighbor could have asked and it it still could have happened huh i guess i'm not as powerful right the famous you're not as powerful as you think you are you know you're not that powerful He tries all of these different oh, yeah. all of these different things to like change. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I want to add on to Crystal's story. Yeah. I'm Adam's brother. Yeah, uh, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron. That's right. And uh, uh, I had I had a friend who had also asked my mom to go to the store, so she was doing two errands at once. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. but he told me the exact same thing. If I hadn't asked her. She wouldn't have gone. Right. Yeah. So just think about how out of control we are of circumstances. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the reality of that is, and we're all guilty of it, or all all the source of pride that we do not kind of control, and that shows you the the spiral of pride, even when it has the best, most lovely intentions for everyone to be safe and happy and all those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, great, great, great question. And the, the tricky, and, and the, again, something that Connect specifically prides ourselves in is that relationship, relationship will allow that hard, like, I'll let you sit here, and I'll let you sit here for a while, but then there's going to come a point where I'm not going to let you sit here anymore, because I, in good conscience, can't let you, Christ wouldn't want you to. And so I refuse to let you sit here forever and ruin your future. Like, no. And if you need to ride my coattails of motivation, fine. Come on, let's ride it together. Because eventually I'll bow out and you'll be fine. But, so that's, again, the relationship, relationship, relationship also allows you to do that, too. Okay, last one. uh, One more, and then we'll take a break. Anger. So this is Happy Gilmore. <laughs> one of my favorite movies. I, can't, I wanted to play the Bob Barker scene, but there's a lot of profanity in it, and I didn't feel like that was very Yeah, so we can't do that one. So we're going to watch the scene where he doesn't make the team, the hockey team, for like the eighth time or whatever. So yeah, we'll watch, watch this clip.
If you guys have seen it, like he gets validated by a pro golfer that he's actually good at golf, and he has the same reaction. Like he just like blows him off just because um, he just doesn't accept it because he wants that validation to come about specifically from this part of my life. I have to be good at hockey. They have somebody has to tell me I'm good at hockey. If it doesn't come from here, I don't want to hear it. I'm be mad and angry and throw golf clubs and fight Bob Barker. I'm allowed to be angry because I didn't have the goodbye with my grandparents that I wanted. I'm allowed to be angry. No, COVID hit. Crud happens. 
right? I'm allowed to be angry because my boss's problem, my my boss, my boss's job is probably going to be given to somebody who has been at DHS longer than me. Oh, I could sit there and, or I could just be like, it is what it is, and God's got other plans, and we're just going to just go with the flow. And I think it. It's that vicious cycle because you come into the I'm allowed to or I'm justified in my anger mm-hmm. and versus acknowledging like I feel angry because I'm hurt because this need wasn't met mm-hmm. and moving on and not letting that impact your behaviors or sitting in it. Mm-hmm. It's the I'm going to stay here because I have every right to be angry. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I wanted to keep playing is because I wanted you guys to hear him say, you're a lousy kindergarten teacher because your finger painting is terrible. None of that is logical because finger painting can be and should be for a kindergartner terrible. Like right, like it's it's it's, it's all about it's like fine, it's all about fine motor, it's all about learning and like texture. Like it has very little to do with artistic ability and everything to do with body sensation and learning. So none of what in anger were not logical. No part of him beating up those people is logical. It's not a logical response when you don't get what you want. Right? We also think we'll feel better if somebody else feels worse. Yeah. But I think, like, there's a proper way to do anger, like, in the beginning process. Like, I think about conversations that I've had like, with you, Kayla, and with Carol, you know, about, like, good, mad, or, like, yeah. I was grieving something, and you were, like, turn your anger into, like, productivity, or, like, something good. Um, and I think, like, there's an opportunity in anger. Like, you were talking about, like, instead of looking in the past, like, looking to the future, like, yeah. changing things. Uh, but so often we, we just get stuck in what isn't instead of what we're Exactly. Shameless plug, we have a whole class about anger management. I am, I am the queen. I have to, re- I go back to that book and be like, why am I sitting, oh, that's why I'm sitting that way. Yeah, <laughs> and Kayla's day. <laughs> this is where she hangs out. And even for me, like, I, I would always say, I'm not an angry person. Um, when I read that book, because I, I would say I just get, like, irritated about things. But, like, Acknowledging, no, like, I'm, I was actually angry about things, and that's okay. Now I can, like, actually deal with it, talk about it, um, and understand, like, why I feel that way and where it comes from. Instead of just being, oh, I'm just, I'm irritated, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm bothered or whatever. I would try to minimize it and just, instead of being like, no, I'm angry and I need to deal with my anger. Otherwise, it just stews and just sits there. And then typically when it blows up, it's on the wrong person. Never the person that I was really angry with or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I know that you could get angry about, like, well, you could be angry about stuff that you can change, but what do you do to get over and angry about things you can't change? Okay. I think that's impossible to change. Okay. What do you guys think? that came down, like we talked about tea kettling, uh-huh. like it's, still, it's out of your control, but you're still allowed to feel angry and process those emotions and do it in the moment when it's appropriate versus letting that, just shoving that down and shoving that down and not the stupidest moment of the explosion. Yeah. I think those are what you're talking about about relationships too. Like having those safe places where like you can have those anger moments um, and like you can even, I mean, lash out at people that you love and they're just like willing to sit there and, and take it and then afterwards be like, okay, like now it's time. So let's do this. Well, and Tyler, it's just like what Crystal and Carol were talking about a second ago of this. Um, If I'm angry because I can't change it, how prideful am I to think that I am the bee's knees, that I am the human (laughs) that can change all things all the time? 
I can only control myself. I can only control my choices. Because even we are in charge and in control of Edda. But at the end of the day, if Edda wants to throw her french fries on the ground, she's going to throw her french fries on the ground. And I, I, she has consequences for her actions. But I only have control over me. And, you know, and we, in our marriage, blend and adapt. We, like, we learn to, you know. But we really can't control anything ever. Yeah, Dad. One of the things about anger, oftentimes we lash it out on someone else. But the other danger is taking it out on ourselves. True. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Rodney died in high school, and I remember getting that news. And I was working a summer job mowing lawn. I was hot and I was thirsty. But I had this full cup, and I got that news, and I just slammed it to the ground. And I thought, I was thirsty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. how I, I actually, in my anger, I have actually hurt, hurt yourself. Hurt myself. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's a silly little thing, but we, the anger that we take out on ourselves mm-hmm. can be Mm-hmm. It's our self-contempt jar. Yeah, self-contempt jar. It's self-deprecating. It's self-sabotage. It's self-harming, and not just like. And when I say self-harming, I don't mean like cutting. I mean like depriving ourselves of food, depriving ourselves of sleep, depriving ourselves of health. Of like. Yes. Yeah. Like if you need to go to the gym to just get your energy out, go to the gym. But I can't afford it. Then find a group of people that will help you until you can and get your like do what is necessary to keep yourself well. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. Two other two other things and then we're going to take a break. I don't care who goes first. I think this one is hard um, with like figuring out like, what you can and can't control. Um, especially if you have someone in your life who, uh, like, said, well, you may be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, oh, like, what happened with me as a kid? Like, yeah. um, so it's like, oh, well, my actions can change their emotions. And so then getting in, stuck in that um, unhealthy pattern of, well, I can take care of other people's emotions right. by my actions. Right. When in reality. Great point. They're throwing that on me. Yeah, great point. Great, great point. Uh, I mean, you uh, being angry itself, and that's something I've gone through, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm still going through uh, the loss of my mom, uh, just being angry with myself over things, you know, like you said, you can't control things, you know, like, and, and it also goes, kind of goes back to bargaining, like, oh man, if only I had my ringer on, they would have got a hold of me at 4 o'clock in the morning, and not at 5.30 in the morning when my mom was already dead, and... You know, I could have, but I was all the way in Lake Tankville regardless. So <laughs> I was almost two hours away from where my mom lived. Right. There's no way I could have made it there right. in time, like at all. And so, like, being angry with myself over that, and then, you know, kind of like you said, uh, and the result of that is, like, I, I don't sleep well. I haven't slept well in months. Um, and part of it is because I'm angry at myself, and I just live in that, and I've not been eating properly, and I've not... Like, there's all these things, so just seeing that laid out is actually, like, it's exactly what I'm going through. Okay, from God, we can be helpful. Okay, so let's take 10 minutes. It's 9.59, oh, it's 10.01 according to my watch. 10 minutes. 10.11. Get up, wiggle. We can get some coffee made, maybe. Yeah.
So, two more stages of grief. Um, two more stages of grief, and then we will talk through uh, some like practical components. Like, okay, cool, thank you for helping me understand what this is. Now, what do I do with it? And then we'll take another break, and then we will give like we will ask all of you to do some practical work because you know. Most seminars and workshops that I enjoy and like are when we get practical and we make you practice what you just learned. Um, obviously, you know that we're a resource and we will continue to help you practice, but we want you to practice right now with the knowledge fresh in your brain. So, okay. So the next stage is depression. And we're going to talk about how many of you have seen How to Lose the Guy in 10 Days? That's the, that's the movie we watched on the Seriously? day my mom's beautiful. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Okay, for those of you that are dudes and like, it's a chick flick, it's not. It's hilarious. It is. Lee, I'll watch it with you. It's so funny. It's so good. So I couldn't find the clip. I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And looked. But you guys remember, do you guys remember? It's, it's like the second scene ever. The lady in the middle, Catherine Hahn, she gets broken up with. And they, ha- and they all work together. And so Kate Hudson and then the Burnett um, go, blonde, redhead, and Burnett. Haha, <laughs> I just now got that. Um, they go to her apartment, and she is in her pajamas, and she hasn't showered in three days, and she's sniffling, and she's crying, and all I've eaten is just terrible food. Like she's just in this, just like, <laughs> very depressive state. And they're like, okay, get it together, girlfriend. And they like whip her in shape and. All that good stuff. But she's in a state of depression. She is not motivated to do anything. She hadn't left her apartment in several days. She had not showered. She would not eaten well. She was not being healthy. Okay? That's depression. Okay? Depression looks lots of different ways to different people. The biggest thing is if somebody has something that brings them joy, um, when, that, when that joyful thing gets completely eliminated, slash they choose to eliminate it from their life, that's when it's depression. Does that make sense? Depression? So depression for Kayla versus depression for Chris would look very different. Depression for Chris would probably look like him being over, like overly social. Not... Like, <laughs> if, you, if I start hanging out all the time, if I... If I stop going to movies by myself or concerts by myself, being, being really clingy, like he need he needs people to fulfill his versus him. Typically, what brings him joy and, and energy is alone time. Okay, I'm and I would do the opposite. If you if all, if I like cut all of you off and you're like, Kayla, let's do that, da, 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 and I'm like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, and you're like, you are a social bug. What in the world? Like what and. It can look different. It's whatever brings somebody joy when they choose to eliminate it from their life or it no longer brings them joy, that's depression. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, it doesn't always look like not leaving their house or not. It looks all kinds of different ways. Fair? Um, how has this looked in your life before? Yeah. So I know like I don't know if this is exactly depression, but like, I don't feel as much joy or happiness from stuff I used to do as like that I do now, like playing video games, like 
I used to like, I was obsessed with that. And like now, I don't know if it's like I have more social life now or something, but like, it's like, oh, this is not as great as it used to be. Okay, so that's kind of different. So I'm thinking more like in the context of like a grief or a tragedy or something really sad. So something really sad needed to have happened, and instead of choosing to move through it, you put yourself in a depression. Yeah. All right. So I mean, just you know, from you know more stuff that I'm currently going through, uh, I don't feel like it's hard for me to find the motivation to go to work, even though I have to go to work. I have to, you know, go to work. I have to make money to provide and stuff, but. Like, the motivation, like, a lot of mornings is not there. Like, I don't want to get up at 4.30 in the morning and drive 30 minutes to work. Uh, even though I don't have to do that part, like, two days out of the, two days out of my four days of work, but still, like, that sucks. Um, and a lot of mornings, even more than it normally would. Um, or I don't want to go do things with people. I'm a social person. I'm a very social person. I love social interaction, but, like, I don't feel motivated to go, like, do those things anymore. Uh, or, uh, I, I also really enjoy sleep, and again, like, depriving myself of sleep because I'm just constantly, you know, like, in my own headspace. And, like, I, this is the second Saturday in a row I've missed work. This time was for this, you know, it's a good reason. Last Saturday, it's because I I was supposed to get up at four thirty in the morning because I had to be able to work at six, and I was up until two thirty in the morning because I was stuck in my own headspace and I couldn't sleep. Yeah. And I was like, "There's no way I could go to work like that. Like I would probably crash because I'd fall asleep on the wheel. You know, way to work. So no way. But um, so yeah, just yeah. that's how it's really looked like. Yeah. I think for me, it often looks like cycles of binging and restricting in every aspect, like not just food. Um, food is a really big one, like going from like not eating to like eating like a whole box of honey buns in you know, one sitting. Um, but also like binging and restricting, like like wait a second, sleep, like you know sleeping for days on end and then not sleeping for days, um, and like kind of the same, like spending time with people, like being super like like dependent and codependent and like needing all of the people and then going into like an isolation phase where like I don't like leave my room for mm-hmm. um, and just like going back and forth between the two um, because it's like well one's not working so I'll try the other and like well that one's not working so I'll try mm-hmm. the other like, right mm-hmm. I avoid it I love to read and I know when I'm really anxious or really upset about something I just watch TV is that like that is more mind numbing. I don't actually have to deal with anything, but I feel worse off later on mm-hmm. if I actually read and like in the background kind of process. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, I know for me it looks like kind of like I like external motivations. Like I have to get school work done. Like that will also happen, but then absolutely nothing else. Will. Like so that report is going to get done. It's going to be an A. And it's going to be turned in on time. Did I shower? Did I eat? Did I see human beings today? <laughs> no. Yeah. So anything that has like external motivation, yeah. some fear, I'll be like, ugh. Great. Nothing else. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because we'll talk about that in a second too. Like here's a, here's a really weird example. Um, I, very few of you probably know this, but I used to shoot all the time. Like I have a really nice camera. Um, my grandfather is the one who taught me how. Um, 
And so when he died, I asked for it because I was like, he got me started and I wanted it. And his is nicer than mine. Um, <laughs> so it has sat in my closet for over a year. I can't touch it. I can't. I just, not yet. Like, but, but and that, that can be considered, like, that is part of the grief process is me being like super sad about that thing that used to bring me joy and still does. Um, I just can't stay here. I can't stay here forever. I will have to eventually get it out, and I will have to eventually, you know, do it again because it's fun. I love it. It was so enjoyable for me. Um, and so that's does that make sense? Like it's, it's those kinds of things, and it's nothing necessarily. Whatever grief it is, your depressive state does not have to be necessarily connected. So mine is because my grandfather taught me how to shoot a camera. And so my depressive cycle is connected, but like uh, not eating health, like eating and then not eating and eating and then not eating, that's not necessarily connected to whatever grief may be happening in Ashley's world. It's just what she does when she's in the depressive state and she's just staying there for too long. Does that make sense? Any questions? Any other examples? I knew, um when you explain that, it's when depression looks to me, it's how you, how the scene's going to describe it. Someone's crying, someone's crying. Yeah. Crying. And I guess that just totally clicked on me because mm-hmm. I am uh, not that person. Right. But what did make sense with my, I'm a mom of three, and for my son to realize the tweet that weren't, <laughs> I was a little rebelling from the COVID restrictions, and he's like, we've not gone nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it really, he involved me, like, oh, wow, that is something we're not doing. Right. We're in the library, we, even if it's cold, or people like, stay away from people. Yeah. And he's like, we're not going anywhere. And it really, that all me, like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But as a mom, I didn't realize that was doing that until it was brought to my attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine is like, <coughs> having other chaos in my life, like not having like a routine, not like not like knowing like this is what we're going to go on this day. Um, I'm going to be here at this time. This is what I'm going to be doing. These are the people I'm with. Like it's just like I don't know. I'm, doing. I'm not even like caring. Right. And like and again, depression is depriving yourself of something. Like you are. That's that's how we get there. Just oh, woe is me. I'm an Eeyore. I don't. I don't deserve good things. I can't have good things. I can't. I can't. Simple and as um, tangible as structure versus chaos, mm-hmm. or as complicated and and um, complex as a mother relationship, a father relationship, sibling relationship, all that good stuff. Does that make sense? Okay, so before we get to acceptance, we talked about how to do all of this the wrong way, okay? (laughs) The initial four stages, um, and you will combat and you will ping pong between all of them. You could do it in a day. You could do it in four months. You could, I mean, you could get to acceptance and then be like, just kidding, we're back to denial. Uh, That's reality. You're a human being with a brain and a heart, and the world is broken, so it just happens. Things, you, you get triggered. You, you just have to know that if you stay in any of those too long um, and you are you're cruel to yourself or cruel to other people, you like too long and you're, it, it, that's when it becomes the problem. That's when you've not, ex- like, 
You've not even entertained the idea of acceptance. Is that fair? Does that make sense? So again, none of those are wrong. None of those are bad. All of those are necessary. And you will all hit all of them at some point. Sometimes some of them are really quick. And you just land in one for a while. Sometimes they're not. It just depends. Okay? Yeah. Great question. (laughs) So, something that Chris and I have talked about is when when your people who know you really well start saying things to you, when they're like, hey, you okay? What's going on? What's happening with you? Are you sure? We haven't hung out in a while. And, it, and not like we haven't hung out in a while because, you know, monastic classes have been going on and then Edda turned two and then there's a baby is it coming. Like, not because not of life, but because of just pure avoidance. Or um, normally when this happens, you react this way. What's going on? What's happening? This is when community is critical. This is when your small groups are critical. Right? Like, that's, that's what we've kind of told people. If your small group people are saying something's going on, something's probably going on. Especially here, especially with us. So, because there are people that say, you have to, you, especially for a death, you get a year. You get a year. You get a year to process, you get a year to decompress, you get a year to have your cycle, right? It's like, so Brent, you got six more months, buddy. You're allowed. Okay? Like, just, that's where we are. You know, Carol Lynn are in that same boat. Like, he's another six more. Like, that's okay. Like, part of feeling off kilter is normal because you need to have a year. But when that, when that compromises who you are, when that compromises what you do, when it compromises, like, basic functioning, mm-hmm. that's when it becomes a problem. And whatever stage you're in is too long. Yeah. No, I think it's, yeah, because if it's, if it's to the point where you can't, it functions how you work. Um, I've had coworkers that when it had been 10, 12 years since the loss or something, and they, have, they take off work for the entire week. And I'm kind of like, and I, and I totally understand, like, needing that time to process. If they take a day or just extend a weekend, and it's like, I'm thinking, you're taking a full week, and you're still working through something that, and, I'm, and not, you're allowing yourself to stay in something that happened 10 years ago without learning how to work through it. And so you're keeping yourself there by taking a full week off for that same thing. Um, it's almost detrimental at that point to continue to do that to yourself. Um, so being aware of if you're allowing those things to really impede how you function in your daily life, that's really important. Uh, yeah. And there's a difference between memor- mem- like memorializing something mm-hmm. Absolutely. and dwelling. Like, I will... Always, I will always text. Okay, so my my mom's um, brother died when I was very little, and I it was th- I was three. But January 18th is his birthday, and every year I text my mom and I say Happy Birthday, Uncle Jack. Okay, like I'm memorializing him. I'm not dwelling. I'm not like Oh my gosh, Mom, we need to have a sad story. Oh, like no, 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 no. I'm acknowledging that it's sad. I'm acknowledging that that's a grief point. Um, but I'm not sitting there forever. I'm not dwelling in the fact that he's not here. Okay, one of the things that I struggled with was the um, part of a community involved in this permission thing that um, the world did not stop. 
that minded. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess they're on two different timelines, and you have to dip down into this one, and you find yourself just throwing off the your grief timeline, mm-hmm. appropriate as it might be, mm-hmm. and jumping into life again, and like nobody notices. You talk about people coming to you and saying, "Are you okay?" But there's a there's another side of that where it's like, "I'm not okay," and nobody's even noticing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. how do you raise your hand and scream for help when you like? Do you have a choice? You gotta go to work. You gotta get out of bed. You gotta go to bed and mm-hmm. sleep. And those things aren't coming like yeah. they used to come. Why does it come? I think I've seen so much of it be the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen so many people do the opposite of just like everything does fall like oh I don't it doesn't matter I don't pay my bills like versus you who would be ah, I've got responsibilities that I take care of like. I had a friend say remind me this is when my dad died she said you have a year mm-hmm. like she said and she said take it mm-hmm. the world won't give it to you mm-hmm. you have to take it. Yeah. would be a component of some of your dipping down and, and, and being like okay for a minute and then going back to the grief stages would be I dip down for a moment of acceptance it is what it is and I can't change it and I gotta move on with life um, and so I can't just stop I have to pay the bills like we have to eat <laughs> I probably should shower um, and like all that you know there's that's why it's a cycle and not like a progression so there would be elements of that do you have any insight on how to take because again, like your example is just so like, un, like it's not ordinary. Most people like let grief fall them apart versus. No, I think about I think about like you said to take the year. You said the you said something really important like you need to take the year, but the world doesn't stop. Um, I think about just a balance. Sometimes even those boundary settings with some of those certain things in our lives that maybe we would be if things were you know normal we normal we would jump at doing engaging in um maybe taking a pause and going i'm not going to do participate in that one thing or just there's some boundary setting and limits we can do also to help protect that time that makes sense um i don't know i'm trying to think like um and I think too, because of the of the country we live it's in. It's the culture. I think so it's you saying, Mm-mm, I'm not doing I that. I still have six months. So you, like, you know, like for the two of you, like, uh-huh. like I remember I was. I got six more months. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> well, and I, I, so I got. I remember um, Adam, we when we went, to, we went to Asia, and just like, I remember like we would have a normal route to go somewhere on the streets, and then it'd be like a there would be a tent, and things would be blocked off. And we'd have to go around. Like, why are we – like, it takes 20 extra minutes. What's happening? And the people we stayed with, they go, oh, that, it's like someone died. That will be blocked off for a whole week. Like, what do you mean the whole week? They literally – the family stops. And then – so with the idea of blocking. So there's a process. I think about there's things in our lives that come in. And, like, what, are we allowing everything to come in that needs to come in? Or are we kind of just, okay, I'm going to allow certain things that I know I need to do. But these things that I, I really – that necessarily don't necessarily need to be dealt with or other people can – I can delegate – that can happen, which still allows you the time to take that year. And not having that, have the weight of the world on your shoulders because you can't do it all. You can only control what's in your sphere. There's other things in your, outside of your sphere that you can't control. 
hopefully with community, people can take those on. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you're in another state. <laughs> sure, right. Because people won't, you know, notice or they, um, or you've to explain yourself and you don't have the energy to explain yourself. Sure. You just feel like you feel and you don't know how to put it in words. Mm-hmm. My friend reminded me that, like, back in the 1800s, you know, people were black for mm-hmm. a year and then they were, or a month, I guess, and then they were armbands for a year. Mm-hmm. And so everyone knew, just like you said, the detour, you know, and. Like, we don't have anything like that. No. no. But I think hope is, I guess, with community, they know. And then, even so, relationship. relationship. And even, like, not that people have to notice that I'm down, but am I even speaking and saying, hey, I'm not okay? I don't have the words right now, but I'm not okay. And you just check in on me. Just text me once a day. Or come by the house once a week. Whatever. But you just communicating that to people because that's still allowing yourself that process, like, that time. Mm-hmm. But also keeping those connections. And th- what we're telling you is not just about you. Like, this is also good knowledge for all of you to have for people at church, people you're reaching out to, people in your family. Like, this is, you know, like, this is a, um, I would, I would talk to my mom about something. I'm like, hey, mom, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, uh-uh, your dad might get a year. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, you know, technically we start out a little bit on that because my grandma, my grandma's anniversary is March, but it's kind of one of those. <clears throat> that having a year thing, I agree with 100%. But at the same time, you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. I've counseled with people with that, and that are caught in yes. one of those stages in an unhealthy manner, in an unhealthy way, true. and their excuse is, I've got a year. Yeah, true, very you true. Don't, you don't have a year to be stuck in an unhealthy stage. You have a year to be a turd. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when we talk about giving a year, we have a year to go through those stages Mm-hmm. And to allow, yeah, and to allow like grace, like you know, like yeah, I think back to like when I was grieving over my mom, um, and there was a moment which I hate talking about it, but I still feel really bad about it. But I I was driving Grandma's car and I backed into Lyndon Carroll's car <laughs> in the Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot, um, and I just remember like panicking and Carol being like slow down. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Like, your world, like, the, the world feels like it's moving at a thousand miles per hour because you are moving so slow and you just need to sit there for a minute. Like, you just need to move slow. Um, and, like, that grace that was given to me, simply um, it wasn't too bad. Um, <laughs> but I, I still I feel a little triggered when I pulled out print months. Um, like, I, I think that was so important for me like, in, that, in that process. Um, to be reminded, like, it is okay to just sit for a uh-huh. second. Yeah. Um, like, you don't have to keep up with the world. Like, yes, you do. You still need to like, fulfill your responsibilities. I mean, I was still, you know, every day being texted by my people being like, you need to go to work. Moving and breathing. Yeah, moving and breathing. Moving and breathing. breathing. You, need, you need to keep doing these things. Um, but, and like, eventually, you go past moving and breathing, like, yep. right? Like, it becomes... It becomes more than that, but allowing yourself, allowing yourself that grace, and then as the other people in, in the community, like giving that grace. Like I was talking to Roxanne last night about, I often forget that people are going through things. Like for us, for me, I've moved on. Like you know, like for me, I've forgotten that that person has that that trauma or that grief. Um, and then like they'll say something. I remember one time saying something to Carol, and she'd be like, "Actually, my mom just died a month ago," and you'd be like. Shoot, right, right. Like, you know, and being like, wow, okay, like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and 
reminding ourselves as the community to give that grace, mm -hmm. um, just like it was given mm -hmm. to me exactly. in, in my time with me. Um, which, like, I also like try to take that as a learning opportunity to give more grace in general, yeah. um, because I ask for it myself and I should, I should give it as it's been given to me. Adam has waited so patiently. Oh, you're good. Um, I got to <coughs> experience a really healthy example of this when I was running the college ministry in Florida um, when I lost my parents and just taking Kaylee to rehab and stuff. And uh, my kind of right-hand guy took the hit for about a year. And he, he actually failed a semester uh, just carrying the load and just, like, did the best he could. You know. um, I mean, it wasn't a year to the date, but at some point around the year, he, we sat down together for our weekly meeting, and he said, I need you to be Adam again. Mm -hmm. At this point, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't grudge anything. I was, I was happy to do it, but I, it's time to be yep. you again. Yep. Um, and it, and he, he just let me operate at kind of half speed for a while, and I, it's true. There were, we didn't have a lot of new events. We just kind of did all the things. We had, like, basic maintenance, you know, to keep it up and running. <laughs> Um, but it was time, you know, for him to, to take the crutches off and, and let me go again. And, and so it's, it's acknowledging and remembering that we, it is our job for people that are not in the middle of grief to keep them, keep, keep those that are in the middle of it on our radar. Um, both in like a, uh, you've been here too long and this is now really unhealthy. Or, oh, no, 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 it's okay for you to be here. Like, like affirming that, I don't understand why I just am angry all the time. I do, your mom died. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so that's why the seminar is not just for you, it's for the collective. Like we've, we've had tons of loss in all kinds of ways. Job loss, people loss. <clears throat> um, like, I don't care who you are, COVID affected you. Like, <laughs> even if you've never had it, it like, <laughs> lots of things have been lost. We've had a lot of people be like, forget this, I've been a Christian for 10 years, not experienced, uh, no thank you. Well, sorry, 10 years, what, 10 years? Now you're throwing it all away? I mean, so, does that make sense? Yeah. When? Uh, so that leads to, to the obvious question before you get to acceptance. For all of us, I think, when we identify someone, a friend, someone or ourselves, whoever, that is stuck in, a, in a, one of the cycles in an unhealthy manner. Yeah. How do we help them out of that unhealthy manner? Good question. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> right, this is true. You spend time with them, you should know what their love language is. And don't have to go like super all out and just like you get overbearing with their love language, do something small, like do their quality time, say, hey, let's go into something that you like to do. Or just sitting there and doing time with them. Um, or the sports language, mm -hmm. just saying a random text saying, hey, you know, grateful for you. Like, doing the small things to make sure that they're to expect, they know that you're taking care of you, take care of them. So I would say that that's a great place to do maintenance. Mm -hmm. But what Lynn's talking about is when they are like down in the depths. Well, this is how I'm interpreting it. We are down in the depths. We've been here for months and months and months and months. What do you think we need to do? Yes. You, you need to pull, put your Kayla Chambers hat on. And what do you need to do? You need to pull them out of it. No, you don't pull them out. Oh, okay. What do you do? <laughs> I mean, and this has been Kayla Chambers' advice, I would like to say, but... Um, 
I mean, whenever it got super dark in Tennessee last year, and we're talking, we're in it for months, it got to a place where we had to walk away from the conversation. We had to say, we've talked about this, and nothing is changing, and therefore, I cannot have this conversation with you again, or I am not going to be able to be safe. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to act out in anger, I'm going to, you know, use foul language, and then, you know, punch a wall. That's, I mean, it got to a place where, and it was honest and just like, I can no longer have this conversation because we are going nowhere. We and have, we will not here. right, we have tried the relatively soft and gentle <coughs> and kind and compassionate and gracious, grace, gracious approach. And then it comes to the point where you're like, you know what? Here we go. We have talked about this for seven months, and you are angry, and I don't know how to help you get out of your anger, and I don't know what else to do to help you get out of your anger. So you got you got two worlds. We either get over it and we move on, and I'm gladly willing to help you, or I, I have to walk away because I, I don't know what else to do. And God tells me that if you don't listen to me, that over time, as long as I'm being honest and biblical, I'm just allowed to dust my feet off and say, I love you, but I don't, I don't know where, I, I don't, ah. Does that make sense? And there just comes a point where you no longer can be apart because you just, it, it's been too long. Too long and it's not, it, and the nurturing didn't work. So now it's a, <coughs> does that make sense? But there's a scripture that, Validates this. Yes. He being coals upon their head. Yes. Okay. <laughs> letting the consequences hurt. Yes. And stopping the blocking. Um, there's a time for grace to put salve on the wounds, but mm-hmm. then there's a time where the, you know, where the vaccine has to sting. Yep. And, uh, you let gangrene grow too long in your arm, eventually your arm gets cut off. That's the fact of life. <laughs> like it does. We're done. But the, but the scripture references that that time will save them. Um, you know, that is not that is not vengeance. Or that is not I'm done with you. Nope. That is literally this is the natural consequence of your action. Yep. Yes. Um, I think it also goes back to John five with the yeah. um, the man at the pool. Pool. Oh, about that. And you know yeah. he's been sitting there for thirty eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Jesus comes up to him and just says, "Do you want to get well?" Um, and then you know the man's like, "I've been trying." You know, yeah. he makes all these excuses. Yeah. yeah. And then Jesus literally just like, "Get up, pick up your mat, and walk." And walk. Let's go. Um, and like he doesn't he doesn't fight the excuses. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't coddle, he doesn't, you know, he just says, get up and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the man decides to do it and gets well. Um, but I think the story could have easily gone the other way, where he mm-hmm. just kept making excuses, right? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have gotten well. Yeah. And Jesus would have moved on and helped yeah. someone else. Right. Um, like, there, like you guys were talking about, like there, there comes a, a certain point where it's like, all right, like you are in control right now, and you are choosing to be in control in the wrong direction. Um, but I think that, that question is just like, do you want to get well? And, so, so and do not confuse this with somebody who is making progress. It's just a lot slower than what you think it's supposed to be. Because that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're not. But that's hard. Yeah. 
It, it is, yeah, it is. And it, it is. It's so hard to differentiate, which is why I would encourage all of you, if you really think that somebody really is stuck in some kind of, talk to your small group leader about it, talk to Chris and I about it, and if we don't have the, like, we'll consult, you know, Dad, Dad Maynard over there. Um, like, we'll, like, we'll, like, we'll get some help too. To, like, okay, are they, are they really stuck? Or are they just not making progress because they didn't do it as fast as you did? Um, I, that's, that's where I get, I get into trouble with that because I move fast all the time. I can't help it. <laughs> yes. So the consequences are starting to fall. Yes. And that's, that's when and it's that's an issue. That's a great indicator. Too. That's an indication of, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crystal and Rayon. When you first brought up the question, my thought was, well, the beauty of, of our church at Connect is uh, not one person only has one person helping them through things. We all have lots of people. And so you don't go from just the small group leader helping them and saying, well, we're screwed because they've been doing this for seven months and kind of like give them the, as Alan says, well, what for? And, um, you know, just say, I'm done with you. No, this would have been many people mm-hmm. over many months sure. and yeah. not going anywhere. Sure. Kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm talking out well. Um, So, like, if I'm thinking about someone who is stuck, that tells me that they are still stuck in the past Mm -hmm. somewhere in this range. So they're looking behind them instead of looking forward. And so I think, like, like thinking about how, like, how to help them. So, like, practically, like, if they can't see, they Mm -hmm. can't see forward. Right. Um, So, like, having like that conversation of, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. um, but I also see how this is hurting me too. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, well, you're putting this responsibility on other people, you're doing this, right. doing this, but it's like, you are hurting yourself mm-hmm. by being here. Yeah. <laughs> And we're going to come, we have a really cool little chart thing that will help with that practically, just FYI. Um, and I think what helped me the most last year to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Was people dreaming with me. Mm-hmm. Amen. Not dreaming for me. This is where you are, and this is what you're doing to yourself. But this is where you can be, so how can we get there together? Yep. And so it wasn't that conversation of, it wasn't that hard conversation of, you know, you're doing, you know, I don't know, I get into this, I'm a very critical person that can be very like, criticizing of other people, and so I'm not good at like the whole great thing. Well, hope, I'm getting better. I'm not good at it yet. Um, <laughs> Um, but I think that's very important for myself to realize of sometimes it's being kind with your words is not causing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so just putting it very simply um, and letting them see the hurt that the hurt that there is mm-hmm. that it is there, but also giving them a hope and giving them a dream. Um, 
but they don't have to get to that dream on their own either. Mm -hmm. um, so being willing to like continue to walk through mm -hmm. those steps with them. Yep. Right. Okay. Let's talk about acceptance. Sorry, we have we have. A, I'm just, I'm proud of all of you for just bleh. But I'm. It's Chris's turn to talk after this. Okay, acceptance. <coughs> so if you haven't seen Moana, shame on you. It's an incredible movie. <laughs> like, man, I just I could I, I could preach on this. I just ugh. Chris, I talk about it all the time. So this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. <coughs> And it kind of just wraps everything up in a bow. Um, and after you, after we watch it, I want to talk about some of the language that Moana uses and why this is a really critical part of acceptance. Because it's like what my dad brought up. A lot of it has to do with how you perceive yourself versus how I'm not necessarily accepting the thing, but I'm accepting I'm accepting myself in this new normal. Okay, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, play. <laughs> acceptance on what and then I'll tell you what I want you to notice 
It's on Translate, you're like that. I forget the name of the, the guy, yeah. But it's like, uh, it's like, if you come to the dream process, you can be like that. But once you, like, accept, you have to accept it, it's like, you, you, you kind of, it's still there, but you turn to your, back to your old self for that kind. Well. What about the words Moana used? This is not who you are. They've stolen the heart from inside you. I know who you are, who you really are. How does that how does that correlate with accepting that something has not gone my way? I never noticed that she said you know who you are. And I think like Rayel said, the dreaming with you know, it says I know who you are, and this is external thing, like mm-hmm. you know, you know who you like we both know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that there is still something in there. Like I think a lot of times in where like depression's kinda of where I live when I'm dealing with grief and uh, it feels like I will, like I'm something broke forever inside me, yeah. and whatever that was that people liked and that was effective, is it's gone, and that's what that's what it is now. And so for someone like Ms. Gerard to come and say like I need to be, um, No one will deny the damage in this movie that Taka did to all of those islands. No one will ever forget it. No one will ever deny that it happened. But just because that's who Taka was does not mean that Tafiti can't still live. Right? No one is asking you to deny that crud happens in your life. No one. They just want you to remember who you are. And will you be changed? Like, will, will Tefiti be changed because of her experiences not being connected to her heart? Yeah. But she was also able to restore and to create balance again. And to, like, does that make sense? Like, that's, that's the motivation. We, you do that for yourself, but you also have to help do that for other people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, your parents passed away how many years ago, Adam? 1110, right? And they're still sitting here, both tearful, right? Like, I'm not ever asking them to forget. I'm just asking them to remember who they, who they are. And grief will help you be who you are and still remember if you do it right. And that's, that's where you land. Does that make sense? Y'all are going to make me cry. Okay, we have to move on. <clears throat> okay, question. Yeah. So grief can be a good thing. Grief is a great thing. Okay. Grief is the, the grief is the process of acknowledging that something did not go my way, and that I will be forever changed. And that can be as silly as I really wanted tater tots and they were out. Okay, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but really, but for this you know. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Have you read Lamentations? Like, hello. What is Lamentations actually say? Lamenting. What is lamenting? <laughs> That's what lamenting is. Okay. My section's done. Now it's time for me to be quiet. And Chris did start talking. Yeah. Did you do the chart? Because I don't have the chart. No, I don't have it yet. But Okay. Okay. One <coughs> more minute. I'm taking another break. Yeah. So we're going to kind of move into some... I think the next slide says break, but we're going to keep going and do a break after this. Um, we're going we're gonna to watch another, another clip, kind of more, more so about, like, us. We talked about all these different things, right? Um, we're going to move into kind of when these things are with us daily, are they, are they the ones determining where we're going or are we determining where we go? Does that make sense? Um, so it's kind of an analogy, like passenger on the bus is the, kind of the analogy for this. You know, are the passengers on the bus describing, telling me where to go, or am I the one determining, driving the bus, where I'm going to go? Hearing their feedback, because those are my emotions, right, that are going with me, but they don't get to determine where I go. They don't get to determine that Sonic was out of tater tots, so I'm going to throw a fit and, like, break the whatever kiosk thing, right? Um, I'm the one driving the bus and say, man, they don't have tater tots. I guess I can get french fries, or let me go try this other place. Maybe they'll have tater tots, Right? That's, that's kind of what we're going to get into as far as processing, uh, working through grief. So, um, Kayla, if you can play the passenger on the bus video. It may be difficult to understand because they're British, just FYI. They're British accents. Huh? Some of you guys may have seen it before, but some of you guys haven't. So, Yeah, it's a fun video. Race driver. 
Who's off? What do you think they're doing? Better stick to what you know and probably do it off. Nation, I remember. You're not a loser. Stick to driving buses. Right, that's it. This is my bus. Get off. Yeah? Fight me. Let's see where that gets you. <laughs> you perfect excuse for a driver. Your bus ain't going anywhere now. Why are you bother driving? Hey, what's going on in that bus? Things seem to be happening differently. You're not allowed to go that way. You've got rules. Thanks for the feedback, guys, but this is my bus. Hmm, maybe I don't need to get rid of this bunch. They can just come with me for the ride. Okay, one. All right, what what did you guys see? It was a lot, but what did you see? Negativity. Okay, from. <laughs> and he doubted himself. Yeah. What did you notice with the bus of the, I guess that was going well? What did you see on that bus? Yeah. Um, the guy was happy. What, how did they respond to the criticisms? They just muted his background noise. I saw what, uh, what they really wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they acknowledged it. They acknowledged that it was there. Yeah, so there, there's a lot we can pull from this. Um, you know, notice at the beginning of this video, like, there are all those voices, right? Those will be different emotions, things that we deal with. Um, past experiences that kept the driver on the same old road. You guys notice, I guess it was like Risk Avenue, um, New Chance, whatever it was, right? There are all these new opportunities, Dare to Dream, that opportunities that were missed because the emotions are telling me I need to stay here. And then, like, at least he doubted himself, right, because of all those things. Um, but they're not the ones driving the bus. And so we have to get to a point of, like, he got to the point of, I, don't, I need to accept, they're here, this bunch can come with me. What does it look, look like to take the bunch with me? All the emotions. 
they're going to be there. I'm going to hear it. Maybe it makes me, maybe pause for a second, but they don't stop me from achieving or from going down like Risk Avenue, from going down Dare to Dream Road. Like as he drove down that road, you saw like he did things. He called friends. He applied for a job. Like he started doing things that he never did before because he decided to drive the bus. Um, so some of that is just an effort on our part to decide, are we going to let our thoughts and emotions drive the bus? Are we going to drive the bus ourselves? Like hear those things, but have the, like acknowledge it, have the community around us to drive our own bus. Um, what that looks like for each of us. Um, what are some emotions or things you guys have had to deal with to, to drive your own bus? Yeah. Sadness, um, yeah, those things. Sure. Bigger, yeah. Can you go to that slide that has the that loop on it? Oh. So how does this look like grief? How does how does that video apply to the grief processing that we've just been talking about? even each one of those people is a grief yeah. moment, right? Like, so, uh, oh, I could kick the fact that I didn't get that job and somebody else did. I could kick it off the bus, but actually it shaped me to be who I am today. I don't, I don't want that experience to go away. I need that experience to be who I'm supposed to be, who God created me to be, right? Awesome. Uh, or like using like that metaphor of like background noise, like you know, uh, I always see different if Kelly says I need to not do something versus if Jack walks up and says no, I want like differently. Like in grief, whenever we're going through that, like we have these new voices, and sometimes they're going to be Jack being like, no, we should just no, 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 and sometimes they're going to be, you know, a capital A adult being like, no, like we we should we need to do this or yeah. we need to not do this. We need to Well he he made up his mind. He he did. That was right so the beginning like he he even tried to make up his mind earlier and right he was told, Oh, you better not do that and then he's like, Yeah you guys are right, my bad. But then he finally said, I'm not no, you guys are not doing this anymore. Um, hopefully it doesn't take us driving around in circles that long to get to the point that we say, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, and we kind of learn that, yes, those feelings, those things are there, but they don't determine where I go and like how I behave and how I react and how I respond to things. I think that's so the attitude of how you make up your mind is really more in question than we'll should we. Yeah. yeah. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's go ahead and take a break. Take ten more, take ten more minutes. So eleven sixteen. We're gonna have to speed through, and then get to where you guys can do some little, like practical group work. But y'all are troopers. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there's a simple, like it's just really basic 
real basic, simple feedback loop. Um, very definitely more complex ones out there that could be used, but this is a real basic one that, that points to being a stimulus, a change process that has an effect. And then we, there's no, another stimulus later on in life. Um, and so just thinking about even those passengers on the bus being a stimulus for the driver, um, invoking a change process, and then that having an effect on his output or what he was going to do. Um, so initially that there was a stimulus. His change process was, I'm just going to listen to the stimulus and not change and stay on the same old road. Um, and the effect was just he stayed where he was. There was no... No, it wasn't, he wasn't working through anything. He wasn't improving himself. He wasn't um, actually daring to dream or risking or doing anything different in life. Um, when, he just, when he made that, that effort, that choice to hear the stimulus but also have a change process that followed up with him determining what was going to happen instead of the, the voices or the people on the bus, um, there's still another effect. That effect was him having new experiences in life, um, him going down new roads, him experiencing new things, um, all while taking those people or those voices with him, um, but the outcome was different. Um, so, for example, you go to Sonic. They're out of tater tots. Oh, man. Yeah, Ryan, nah. Especially if I'm not... Good job, thank you. I'll go to hit your Sonic every time. Yeah. Okay. Stimulus. Stimulus is 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 man. There are no tater tots. So I can choose to make that a really unnecessarily large grief of freak out moment, and my change process can then then be like I'm angry, and the effect of my anger is I yell at some sweet little car hop, and they're like I'm sorry, man, we don't have tater tots. Our shipment got stuck. Like, or I can be like, I'm becoming unnecessarily angry about something that's not actually important. And so my effect is, oh my goodness, that makes me really sad. I appreciate you. I don't want anything anymore. I'm going to go find tater tot somewhere else. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Or maybe you just, you're already there. So it's like, I'll just get french fries and we'll be the same. But whatever, it is what it is. Does that make sense? And you see how, like, my positive effect can infiltrate my, like, when external stimulus comes, then I can get into this, like, really healthy pattern versus if I'm angry and in my grief cycle and I'm stuck, I can just stay in my anger, stay in my depression, or stay in my bargaining. So does that make sense? The feedback loop is both positive and negative. Yes. You have it regardless. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's a matter of the change process, the thing in the middle. Yeah. Reframing. Yeah. That's how you affect. That's how grief is affected. Does that make sense? Okay. There's a time where I think in what normal, that's the word grief that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, when we talk about it being negative, it's more—it's it's when you're like always doing, when you're always angry about the stupid tater tots, or you're all like <clears throat> coffee spills, and you're like, I'm just so angry my coffee spilled. Why? Why? Why are we angry about your coffee being spilled? What? Yeah. There's a moment of it being normal. It's when you get stuck there over and over and over and over and over. Yes, Lee. 
Wednesday night and someone didn't get the right order and they left, would that be an example of that? Yes. Yes. Great example of that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, that's an interesting story. Okay, so we'll skip that. We'll skip that slide. You're going to do that one. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. I need you to get in groups of like two or three. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do is something that will help you like, start this process. Of, again, this is just, this is, this is grief 101. This is not exhaustive. We're going to start the process of learning how to deal with the little stuff so that the big stuff doesn't feel complicated and so the big stuff doesn't feel overwhelming. So let's get in groups of two or three, and I'll give you instructions from there. And just you just need to sit a little clump together. It doesn't matter. Mix up. I have a what? Probably more like three or four. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do do three or four. <laughs> no larger than five. Didn't get the job you wanted or whatever. Something that is like, oh, this is not what I thought was going to happen. And yeah, 
Yes. Okay? So, how this works is we're, we're going to take, this is, normally you do this by yourself, but I'll, we'll let you practice in groups so that you can have each other to help. What you need to do is you need to take the two small things, take two small things and one big thing for purposes of this activity. You're going to process through the two small things first, and everybody's going to do it, and then you're going to tackle the big thing. And the point of this is when you go home, you can take this list, or even take longer, to write a really exhaustive list of all the things that have gone terrible in your life or not the way they planned or wanted. And you look at the list and be like, which one can I conquer today? Not having tater tots. I can conquer that today. And then the one about, you know, my mom dying down here. We'll conquer that after we figure out how to conquer the little things first. <laughs> and, and, and it creates a muscle memory pattern. It's just like exercise, just like riding a bike, just like learning how to eat a better diet when you have to eliminate something. Does that make sense? And so there are questions up there. How are you going to work through it? What steps should you take? How are you going to have people who, who are you going to include? How will this person help you? Are you committed to accepting the difficult conversations with that person? So that's kind of where we want you to be. Does that make sense? Okay, so again, take time to do the two small ones first. Take only like a minute or two per person because we're going to run out of time. And then after you do the two small things, then you need to talk about the big thing. And big thing is relative, mm -hmm. right? What's big to me right now is way different than what's big to Wade right now. I did not have a parent to die. Okay? Make sense? Okay, and we'll rally you back up when we're ready. Cool? Be blessed. Tackle away. Yeah, you can stay where you are, you can move, it doesn't matter. Puppets. Okay. Let him off the hook, though. Alright, so what were some of the small things that you guys were able to kind of, like, discuss? For me, it was uh, being frustrated on not being able to save money as I should be, when I know I could. And I was telling Wade, because we was having a conversation about, like, Somebody needed to get checked on my car, and he was like, "Well, if you get paid like this, how can you not save money?" And then it was like one time, uh, a, a week or two ago, I was like looking at how much I'm making a month, and like everything that takes money away from all the bills that take money, and how much I have left. I'm like, "Why am I not saving money?" And then so it's just one of those like just being frustrated with myself, and then realized like, and then like a blessing came after I came back from vacation, and I was like, "Well, that helped a lot um, as far as saving money." Uh, so I got a lot more money in my savings now than I ever have in my life. Uh, so, but yeah, was, that was one of my small things. Someone else? My thing was uh, back in my first time coming out of the Wilson cell, we had a breakout and I had a really rough night and I walked out and Mark had donuts for everybody and I couldn't eat the donuts um, and I had a literal meltdown. Um, and then we were deciding where to go to eat, and um, a place that I could not eat at was chosen. And my voice was this, and uh, wasn't necessarily listened to, and so we went to the restaurant, and I had a little 
bathroom and both Roxanne and Kelly like separately came to me and like checked on me and like we talked through it and one of the things that we talked about was the idea of like yes it sucks that I like, couldn't have those things um, but like I would rather like be at a restaurant that I can't eat at with my people than be at a restaurant that I can't eat at by myself um, and like kind of reframing that um, and like accepting like my anger and my frustration and, and like the feelings like they were valid um, but realizing that like it wasn't the end of the world and that like I can I can change things like I can like now I realize like if I can't eat where we're going I stop somewhere and get food and take it with me you know like taking Burger King into the sushi restaurant that one time unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> you know we made it work um, but yeah just kind of like working through those feelings and, and reframing it for the sushi someone else so one thing that um, I mean I, I took it small I, I was going to say. Um, was that I had to like try and spend time with people that I was, I'm teaching to try and spend time to with because I can say I, I need to spend time with X, Y, and Z and then not take the effort to like, send a text message and say, hey, like, you want to hang out sometime? And I didn't get out my head of like, oh, this person's busy, way too busy, duh. And it's like, but did I text them to see how their day was or whatever? And I'm like, no, I did. And then that day goes by and I'm like, I feel like crap the next couple of days. So, yeah, so, um, do you guys think we should get to the big things? Like one big thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on, before you get there, how did it, using like a few words from random people, how did it feel to process through something really silly? I mean, not, it's not like, like crazy silly, but not like, my world did not fall apart because I didn't get tater tots at Sonic. Okay, like, how did that feel? Did that feel okay? The world didn't fall apart. We're all right. It was encouraging to know that other people grieve about the same things that I do. Okay. That are silly. Right. Okay. I mean, I also appreciated that the guys kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, okay. It's not that big of a deal. Like, that made me feel better. I'm like, okay. Really? I think I realized if I don't process it, even though it's a little thing, it can build up and really mess up my day. So then transition into you talking about your big thing. Did processing through something that is not as significant as your big thing make it feel a little bit more attainable? I mean, granted, you did it in 20 minutes versus like doing it over a course of like years and months of practice. <laughs> yes, no? Is that a difference? Okay, now talk about your big thing. Go for it. Mine is the wording. How I was wording, we need to change one word. Because I was feeling guilty in saying that we're constantly to describe how I'm feeling and been weighing it down. Like, I am not currently in a corner and rolling my eyes out, so therefore, I didn't feel like I was grieving, so I was feeling but instead you changed it. I was blessed and you I was at peace where I was with my mom and because I wasn't in a corner crying just means I was blessed to accept what happened and made me feel like now I might feel for not grieving how it's supposed to be right? portrayed mm-hmm. yeah 
Someone else. Big thing. How did it feel to kind of start the process of talking through it, bearing through it? Um, so I have a class that is going to stop until graduating today. Um, unless it, like, I do all of the work to get fixed. And putting like, that up there and thinking about it and, like, having some of these questions be asked. It wasn't something I thought about like needing to grieve. My brain just immediately went, let's go fix it now. Um, and so like, getting to look at it from that perspective and like, asking who's going to help you and like, not help you with the project you have to do or whatever, but like, who's going to help you make time to be able to do that? Who's going to be able to help you with the frustration or the whatever? No, 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 no. Uh, good one. I think going through some of the small things and then looking at the big thing, it takes away some of the unknown mm-hmm. of the process. Um, so it's like, oh, I, okay, this is what this is going to look like with this thing, so possibly it will look the same way. So um, it's a little more stable. Like I had, I had a plan, I had um, some guidance of, mm-hmm. of, where, of where I was going. I know for me, is, the big thing is um, letting the things that I can't control happen. Because um, the thing is, like, there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pipe, down, down the pipe that I, I'm excited that it's going to happen. And I also, like, there's stuff that I need to take care of now as an adult. And it appears that, like, if it doesn't happen, this is going to happen badly. Um, and the stresses and the fears of that, and going to talk to my people about it, um, and being vulnerable and being open about the struggles that I'm going through, and not expecting them just to brush it off and say, you can just deal with it, we can just do ministry. Um, so just being open and vulnerable with the people that are, I surround my life with. <coughs> So, from here on out, this process is a beautiful, beautiful example of how to do the small stuff that gets you to be able to conquer the big stuff. Um, we have people like Chris and Caitlin who process things really slowly, right? They just are slow processors. And then you have people like me, Antoine's like this too. Lynn, and I can process something good, bad, ugly in probably 45 seconds. Okay, not, not like always, but it's, I'm a pretty fast processor. Regardless of your processing, oh, here's another slow processor right there. <laughs> um, regardless of how fast or how like efficient your processing skill is, um, and that's just personality. It's just the way that God made you. There's nothing wrong with that. This tool is perfect. So literally, what we want you to do is to go home and write down the list of things that you probably need to grieve, 
good, bad, or like big, small, medium, maybe things that you think you need to grieve for some, I mean, we're just, just, just right start now. writing. Just start writing, start writing, start writing. And it can even be as silly as, I went to go get that shirt because it was on sale, and then I got there and the sale ended yesterday. Okay, like, it's, like it even things like that, right? It's like stuff. I went to go buy this really cool appliance for my new house, and they don't have it anymore. Uh, supply chain demands, all that good stuff. Frustrating. <laughs> right. Says Carol, who's building a house. Um, write your list. Write it. That's step number one. Write the list. Walk away for at least a day. Step number two is after you've walked away for at least a day, go back to the list and decide what you can conquer. Start with the small stuff. Some small things you can do two or three at a time. You can do four or five at a time. But learning the process of, okay, huh, what do I need to do to work on this? What stage of grief am I in about this situation? Who could help me? No one, this is just silly, I'm gonna get over it. Okay, let's get over it. But you, but you doing that will allow you to eventually, over the next months, years, your list will get smaller and smaller and smaller. You have to add some here and there. But then when it comes to the big one, the one that you're like, I don't know if I can conquer this. You just proved to yourself that you did. You just conquered 35 things. Now what? And then thinking through, okay, what, do, what am I in denial about this? What am I bargaining about this? What am I depressed about? Is it, is it, does that make sense? So this is the practical. This is how you do it. If you need help, reach out to your people. If you, get, if you guys get stuck, we're here. You know how to find us. Um, and we're not saying that we have all the answers because we're not God. Um, but we can help. We want to help you. Yep. Learning to grieve was something that my parents did really well. And they're like, man, that's sad. I'm sorry. That is really sad. Yeah, you're right. It is sad. Oh, okay, now we got to move forward. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. So it's, it's a, yeah. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Okay. We're in our last little bit. What questions do you have? What, what can we wrap up for you? We clearly ran out of time, but you guys asked really great questions, and I de- we deeply appreciate that helped a lot. Yeah. So the, I want to go back to the how do you make your mind. Okay. Uh, okay, give me the context well, again. The, 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 guy that oh. the, bus driver the passenger. So what are the how-tos on how to do that? So... I'd like to pull from the video of how to use on that because he made effort. Okay, do I want to listen to the passengers tell me what to do, even though I know it's unhealthy? Do I want to stay in an healthy place, or do I want to choose something that's different that will be healthy? Um, so, so making an effort, thinking about okay, I know that acknowledging all those emotions, acknowledging all those the things, the passengers, right? They're there. Um, not we don't, want, we don't want to deny they're not there. We don't want to ignore them. We don't want to minimize them, so acknowledging that they're there, but then thinking through some of these steps, since they're there, like how do I, who can help me with this, how do I, um, what do I do next with these voices or with this emotion, 
this emotion makes me want to go act out a certain way. Is that healthy? Is it beneficial? Um, does it compromise who I am? You know, those are things to think about as far as how to do that or like even what to do with those things. Um, and notice in the video that part of when he starts to decide to start making decisions is when he brought external factors into his world. He brought somebody else. He called a friend. And then he went and did this. And then he went, it wasn't just about self. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't all himself. It wasn't himself. all internal. There was external stuff that helped navigate and create an ability to make a decision that what's happening back there on that bus is not helpful. Yeah. And at, at some point, I think, too, like when I talked about with, if we are stuck in a, in a phase where, like, those those passengers are driving our bus and we're not really learning how to like pump the brakes and tell them to stop and, and take control of it. Like those conversations with people in our lives that, that care about us are going to just probably be pretty blunt. Hey, stop it. Like this has gone on for way too long. It's unhealthy. Um, you're compromising yourself. You're compromising all of these facets of your life. Something different has to happen. Yeah, I know for me, a lot of times I hide from stuff when I'm upset. And so telling someone that I trust about it creates an accountability that makes it happen. So like Crystal, I'm, I'm stressed about this phone call that I need to make and I don't want to tell her about it because if I don't tell her about it, she doesn't know what I can decide from it. But once I tell her about it, I'm just going to keep bringing it up. Which I, it's going to bother me, but like I, it's got to get done. And she's really good at doing this stuff. So, um, or, you know, why I'm afraid to have this conversation, you know, with one of our guys, like, we have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, one of the things I noticed in the video is like the goal for him was you know to be a race driver, right? Like that was the, the thing that he needed to decide to do. Um, but he like took baby steps first. Mm-hmm. Like he told someone about it, and then he practiced by like going on a date and like applying for a job and like doing all these small things. And then kind of like with the you know the group work that we just did, like. He tried all the small things so that then he could handle the big things. You have to learn to talk to the opposite gender before you ask them out on a date. Like, you gotta talk to them first. <laughs> and then you ask them out on a date. You know, and like, we tell, we've, we've told people this before, especially when we, we were truly just in campus ministry. But I don't know how to talk to the opposite gender. Just ask them to go hang out. But they're gonna think that's a date. Probably not. <laughs> and you could just say, this is not a date. I just generally, I just genuinely need help talking to the opposite gender because I didn't have much exposure in high school. Cool. Let's do it. Fair? One thing we talked about was not going to ourselves about something because we don't want to think that the thing that we're complaining. And I was like, in the video, he didn't wake up out of that cycle until he saw another girl on another bus say, oh, I hear your feedback. I'm not going to let you drive the bus, though. And it's like, so that's how in ourselves, like, just as an example, like, if we're not talking about what it is that we're grieving about, then other people aren't going to be able to see, oh, that's how you deal with it healthily. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just at home binge eating. I didn't know I could talk about it. <laughs> okay. We want to we wanna honor everybody's time slash. We have a babysitter over there. We want to honor her time. We love you all. Please ask questions if you have any. We'll have Chris close us out in prayer um, just to bless this. And again, like, do not hesitate to come ask questions. Do not hesitate to talk to your cell leader about, like, we are a resource. 
We may have to put you off for two weeks because life, but we are a resource. And there are other people, too. Tons of other, tons not, of other people. Not just us. Yeah. Um, Father God, thank you so much just for allowing us to, uh, to be here this morning. Um, just pray that you would just give us um, insight and wisdom to just take the things we've heard and learned. Um, just learn to work through grief, to trust you, trust um, what you're doing uh, in us and through us, to trust your community and the people that you place around us. Uh, help us to um, just leave here renewed, refreshed, and um, just ready to do your will. In your sense, let me pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.